You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Powered by the ADHD coin, here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365, season number two. We are off and running with season number two. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming back. If it's your first time, thank you for joining us and uh, coming on the journey. We got lots of episodes from season one in the past for you to enjoy if you're looking to do that. Um, and for those that have been on this journey the whole time, you know, excited to kind of not only continue to push uh, the envelope, but really start, you know, thinking about, you know, not only the future, and, and I don't like to think about mass adoption. I like to think about a future with a lot of like the right adoption and, and, and getting, you know, the, the culture right and, and really resetting the bar in many cases uh, for what we have going on. And, and uh, for those that haven't yet, we do have, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, we do have a new email newsletter for you to subscribe to uh, where we kind of trying to break down a lot of this stuff, bring a lot of this stuff into your inbox. So please uh, check that out. And uh, without further ado, I'm excited to welcome in another new co-host. So I know you been uh, welcomed into a couple new co-hosts now over the last couple episodes. You got to meet, of course, Jordash and Travi. And today I'm joined with someone that you might have heard from with Jordash uh, in the first interview, uh, but a, uh, a good friend, someone that we do a lot in the marketing social media space. She's also a podcaster and into a lot of uh, similar NFT projects as mine. Katie, thanks so much for joining me. Excited to have you as a co-host today. I am so excited to be a part of this fanzo, and I, I'm a, you're the one that brought me into the world of NFTs. So it's it's an honor to be sitting here with you, talking a little NFT Web two marketing strategies. Yeah. So for, before we get into like some of our topic, especially that like Web two world into Web three, give the audience a little bit about your background, like how you. I love that I I was the one that kind of got you in, uh, but like you know some of the things that you're you know you do for your clients, some of the things that you've really kind of helped along the way, and kind of how that got you know into Web three. Yeah, so I have started my my career in in radio. Uh, actually, Fanzo, it's really interesting because you and I, even without talking marketing or NFTs, there's plenty for you and I to talk about with sports. sports so I yes. I was the uh, post-game reporter for the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and Denver Nuggets here in, in Denver at 850 KOA. So I've always had a love of audio. But around that time, this thing called MySpace came out. And since I worked at the radio station, I dove into the world of MySpace and started helping bands with their MySpace pages so that they could get off of MySpace and onto the radio. Um, obviously, that was my, my payment was just in backstage passes and uh, you know free merch, but I had a strong love of social media from very early on. So I've been doing this whole social media thing for about 19 years now. Now it is my full-time job, only podcasting, not you know reporting from the sidelines anymore. But like I said before, you you and I met over on Clubhouse and I remember we we were in a room and you were starting to talk about this whole like NFT thing, social token thing. And I was like, oh man, Fanzo's getting into that stuff. Oh, 
All right. Let, where Where is he going to go with this? And then you said you were going to have this daily podcast. And so I was like, well, give it a listen. You know, he's really into it. <laughs> I'll support him. And it was by listening to this podcast that I was like, oh, that's how that's how things can work. It's not just a whole bunch of funny money. There's, there's a way to have access and have community. It's really like social media 2.0. And that is what really drew me into the whole NFT world. And again, you were, you were my light bulb moment. So I'm excited to be here with you. I love the thread there. And, you know, and, and, you know, for me, like the job, sideline reporter and radio on uh, sports, I mean, that was like the pinnacle for me. Like if I was looking, like if you would have told me that I could do that for a living, um, you know, even, I mean, I, I jokingly say like when I first discovered podcasting, I was uh, only into sports podcasts um, and I was, I was like, it would be a dream one day to do a sports podcast. Funny enough, this is, you know, eighth podcast now, season two of this one. I've never done a sports podcast for whatever, for whatever reason. I've like, I've always done, you know, uh, business or, you know, motivation, social media side. Um, but, you know, I also love, you know, we, you mentioned clubhouse radio, you know, we, we were big fans of, you know, the power uh, of audio. And interestingly enough, you know, part of the thing that I think I'm excited for us to talk about, you know, in episodes that we're doing together is a lot of it is like that web two, web three conversation, but it's a lot about, it's like, like, how do we help people see the light or the change, and, but not like force them and not like make it too complicated. And I think of podcasting being the, like one of the greatest examples of like the too complicated yet not complicated example, right? Because you mentioned radio. And I remember for me, like radio and podcasting never were a competition. Like I would listen to the radio, but then I would find a podcast that was talking, you know, Steelers, which I couldn't get here in Northern Virginia, right? It was like a different environment. But for me, it's weird. I feel like podcasting has been in my life for almost forever. Yet I know that there are people in my family, <laughs> people that are surrounded by me on a daily basis that still have not had like ever listened to a podcast. And so, I mean, for those that are like trying to figure out like mass adoption of NFTs and Web3, I mean, holy hell, like something like podcasting um, or even social media and why we should be on there is still a big barrier. What's your thoughts on like, you know, like some of us want instant results or most of us, I guess probably do. <laughs> but then we also have to just like recognize that like for people to change, even going simply like recognizing the podcast app is already on your phone has taken forever. <laughs> now we want them to set up a wallet, do a MetaMask, get crypto, OpenSea. What are your thoughts on like kind of like, like our expectations of adoption with Web3? Oh, man, I'm so glad you brought up the point that there's still some people in your family that don't listen to podcasts because my mom, I, I have a number of podcasts and she has still yet to ever listen to one. I'm like, mom, all you need to do is even just ask Alexa to play it. It's that easy. Uh, but but there is still a big barrier to entry. And I see that still with NFTs. I know that it's it is still hard to to open up a MetaMask. I mean, I gifted my, my husband uh, an NFT for Valentine's Day last year and I would set up his wallet for him and I like, you know, put some money in it. And he was like, well, geez, Katie, no wonder nobody does these things. You've been doing like, look how hard it is. And I was like, yeah. it's just hard right now. And if, think about it too. When you wanted, when AOL first came out and you wanted to go into a chat room, you know, you had to wait to log in and you had to have an email. I mean, like you had to subscribe to it. All of this stuff, technology does take time for people to mass adopt it. And as we continue using it, we're going to find shortcuts. We're going to find more efficient ways. I mean, it, going down the social media, you know, example, 
Think about how we used to use Facebook. It was just a wall and you would post to each other's wall and it was just kind of a, a big message board. Think about how we're using it now, how we consume content, how we advertise on it. And it all evolves over time. So I think that as people start learning more about Web3, just understand that you're an early adopter. There, there, it is a little clunky right now, but the more big brands, the more businesses that join and start trying to figure out how they can use NFTs for their own business, the easier it's going to get because somebody is going to figure out some great shortcut. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, I think for our listeners too, like you, some people are going to be like, hey, I'm advanced. I'm already in here. You know, like one of the things we have to just recognize is that like the the adoption model or our focus is human nature if you are a collector investor if you are an artist or if you have your own project right like i like i know on this podcast i try to like reach all three of those demographics and like the beauty of it is i have a lot of a very diverse audience kudos and i tip my hat to our amazing audience but it also like for 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 me like this space isn't fun unless you find the project that is like your aha or if you have other people that are in it with you right and so I think a struggle for many people in this space, and I know many people that like I lost in the space that I like, helped onboard. They were like, Brian, you were kind of too busy. You weren't really active in that Discord. You weren't active. And I was like, well, I still hold it, but I I understand where they were coming from, right? Like I wasn't as equally engaged with them. And, and so as things changed, they got a little bit less to care, a little bit, you know, things that they had going on. So I'm curious, like, you know, for those that are listening, like, how can we help them? talk about things maybe in ways that, that, that relate to people for, for them to come in. Like, I mean, I got the Starbucks email, unfortunately, or I guess <laughs> we find out like today or tomorrow while we're recording this, um, the, if you get like part of the beta pro, pro, uh, project for uh, Starbucks Odyssey, but like, I was laughing when I heard that announcement. Cause I was like, Oh crap. Now I'm going to have to help people go from like a Starbucks hybrid model. And like, what are these like stamps to like, okay, your stamp is a digital collectible and a digital collectible is kind of like an NFT. And, and I was like, oh, geez, I'm not sure if that is helping. But what are you, what's your thoughts? Like when you're having conversations and, and you know, I think, and I, it's funny because like this relates to so many things, like even the Clubhouse days, like, oh my goodness. Like I, when I first went all in on Clubhouse, it was like everything for me. And it probably <laughs> took, yeah, it took like four months for my like people in my circle to be like, Fanzo, you're annoying the hell out of me. Like I'll get in Clubhouse, right? And like, Eventually, people were like, it's just a conference call with blinking icons on the phone. I was like, you're correct. And that, and that's kind of what I like. And I think NFTs, in a way, they are kind of going to – the NFT will be like, hey, this is our dashboard or this is our, our logo that we all share that's unique that gets us access into this amazing community. But I do think people is like – we're going to get to that point where it's going to kind of be a clubhouse where like, oh – I see that it's not as big or as complex as we might seem. Like, what is your take or what are your thoughts on how you position, you know, position that for, for that audience? Well, I think that exactly what you said at, a, a minute ago with different projects, what project is going to be your aha moment? Mm -hmm. And there's so many different, you know, we could talk about VFriends, you know, we can, we could talk about, you know, I, very first project for me that made that I was like, I understand. These are my people. It was the Diamond Dogs. And it wasn't the first NFT that I bought. The Diamond Dog NFT wasn't my first NFT. I bought a couple of them. And I was like, I really don't understand this whole thing still. Like, it just kind of feels like I'm collecting baseball cards. I think but I when remember I, a, a DM from you with almost that exact statement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I joined the Diamond Dog community. And it was, I was like, ah, oh, 
We can talk baseball here. We're, it, we're all the sports lovers. We can do Wordle together. And, and we won't even get into Wordle. But I mean, I just felt like I had found my friends. And I, there was no dumb questions. I, people were there to support each other and, and talk NFTs, talk sports. I mean, it was it, that was my aha moment. I was like, ah, so what I've, I bought this, this cute little dog, uh, but it has an amazing community. Some people, some friends that I would have never had, had the opportunity to talk to if I wasn't, if I hadn't bought this NFT. And that's how I met Travi was in yep. the Diamond Dogs. And from there, th I started seeing the, the IRL utility because they had that, uh, they had a, a NFT classic where it was the Diamond Dogs versus Board Ape Yacht Clubs. I have a jersey with my yeah, little dog on too. it. Yeah, we, we both have jerseys. That's pretty cool. And, and I think that the, for me, I was like, this is, this is like an a, exclusive community of people that I can, would never have had the opportunity to know and meet and potentially do business with or become friends with. And we all have this similar interest. And so that was my aha moment. Now, there's been, an, an, honestly, 2022 was interesting because we got to see which projects really had a solid roadmap, which ones really were in it for the long game. And there's a lot of projects uh, that I wish they would have had, a, a but, but things would have worked out better. Um, Thunder Buddies is, is one yeah. of them. I loved the artwork. I thought the community was great. And then things got, you know, the going got tough and they vanished. And so it's, it's sad to see that some of those projects didn't work out because I think that there was great potential, but it's also made the communities that are still around that much stronger. And I'm fully invested in a number of communities now, and they're making my, my life better. They're some of my closest friends and I've never even met them in real life. I like that. I, although I, I just like two days ago had a hit like hide on the over dozen Thunder Buddies that I have that I was like, oh, that's like, like for me, that's like that moment where you're like, I like, I can't see that on my like my listing chart because I'm like, I'm not listing it. The project, <laughs> there's, there's no dead. secondary market. Like it's like, wah, I've got wah. like 30 of those. I have like okay, 30, yeah. 30 of those. So I mean, yeah. like we're in the same boat. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, one of the things that I, I've been contemplating, and I'm curious your take is that, you know, like Diamond Dogs was kind of fresh, right? When you got into it, it was around mint day and around launch. And there's like this complex of, do I help people get into an existing project or do I help them find a new project? Now, I think the, the standard thing would be like, oh, help them to find an existing project because then you know it's going to be around. The problem is, and I don't know how you feel about this, going into a project that's already established, like I, I'm in one right now, it actually happens to be around sports, and I really, like, I interviewed the founder on the podcast season one. I jumped in and I mean, I bought at, at a fairly, you know, a decent price. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm turning notifications on. I'm going to be active. I'm going to jump. And I feel like the, the odd kid out. I feel like I traded schools halfway through the school year and they got inside jokes. They know what the teacher likes and what the teacher doesn't like. And I'm the kid that's like, oh man, how do I like find my fit? And like partially I think it's on me, but I'm curious your take on that and like how we can think about that because I do think of that as a, as a weird roadblock into the future because almost all of our aha moments, those of us that got in fairly early were on brand new projects that we could grow with. What's your thoughts on that? That's a really good point because I, I think that one of the things that I've also struggled with as, as I've bought into more established projects now that 
you know, before I was buying some some brand new projects, affordably priced, and just getting in and, and kind of learning. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to buy this project and I'm going to sell it or flip it. And so I can join into this project that I've been eyeing for a while. But then I get in there and I'm like, I don't. I don't know anyone like I, I, you do feel like the new kid in the cafeteria. Like what table do I sit at? Yeah. And I think that that's something that as founders, maybe we should be talking about more often is how can you bring more people into your project and have them feel welcome? Uh, is it a, a dedicated Twitter community for all the new mentors so that they can, you know, share tweets and p other, other people that, you know, have joined, have already in the project can then see them on Twitter and help them get up and running without having to feel any sort of alienation and discord. So, I mean, I think that that is a huge struggle. And I know that for me, there's been plenty of times where I will look to see who else is in that discord or in that Twitter community, if that's where their, their main source of communication is, see who's in there and kind of buddy up and like, oh, okay, so uh, so-and-so's in here. Can you help me? Like, what are they talking about? I don't even understand what they're talking about with like, you know, uh, how is the staking work? And yep. there's a lot of questions that happen. So. I feel like as you're new to these communities, sometimes it can, it can feel like you're the, the odd one out. So this is one of the things, and I, I, I didn't plan on going this way on the topic, but that's why this <laughs> podcast works this way. Like I love the, the, like I was using the new kid in school. I like the cafeteria idea, right? So like, cause one of the things that I found is that NFT projects are great at seeing the new person coming into the cafeteria and saying, Hey, GM, GM, come sit with us. And they're like, right on that day one, they walk you into that table and you are like, they are excited that you're there. They're asking you what's in your lunch bag. What are the things you care about? You're giving you their bio. But what I feel is like day two and day three, I now sit down at the lunch table and they're having a conversation. And I'm like, uh oh, like, I don't even know. Like, what are they talking about? Why are they talking about it? And so one of the things that, like I I've kind of thought about with like my own project and some things that was like, you know, with fraternities and I, I relate some of this to my fraternity life. Um, and cause I was very proud of like what, like my fraternity, most of my fraternity brothers that, you know, I paid for my friends cause I was the guy that said I would never pay for my friends when I got into college. And then like four weeks later I pledged a fraternity and I was like, but like one of the things that fraternities have is that, and sororities, they have a pledge class. And one of the things that makes like, you're like, oh, that's the people you go through the war with, right? When you're, when you're joining a fraternity or sorority. And if you're listening to this, I know we have an international crowd. If you think about it from the standpoint of, you know, they, you, you're joined by usually the year you are in college, right? So I pledged as a first semester freshman. There was 13 of us that started. There was five of us that lasted because <laughs> it is a, it is an interesting concept, but the five of us are bonded. We have a, we're called the Xi Alpha class. We have our own, like, we have our own letters on our side of our shirt. But one of the things that's interesting is like, it's not even like no dumb question is asked. It's like, we, we learn together, we grow together and we almost become like, I mean, they were, my, I mean, truthfully, all five were my best men in my wedding, right? It's like, just to put that as like the perspective. And so my thought has been, we don't really have that in NFT projects, right? Like there are projects that do great job welcoming. There are projects that have a newbie channel. There are projects that do a regular Twitter space. But I was thinking about this, like I, I helped two people get into Ape Liquid recently, a project that I've been heavily involved in more and more and one that I'm really enjoying. And they showed up this week for Twitter spaces because they do kudos to the Ape Liquid team. Monday through Friday, every 
day at 11 a.m. They do a Twitter space for one hour, and it's very consistent. But they told me, like, Brian, I, I have no problem asking a question, but I'm not even sure what the question is to ask. And they're like, and I show up in there, and it's cool, but I, I go back into the Discord, and I still feel like I'm so far behind the eight ball. I don't know what's going on. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, like, what if we started to think about, like, almost like classes, like, and I, I, I mean, we're decentralized, like don't label <laughs> us. Right. <laughs> but like, I, I would almost wonder, like, for example, like for a project being like, okay, we're going to, we're going to label all of these people. Maybe we even give them metadata on their NFT that says like, you bought your NFT at this part. And we can almost help those people find people that are equal to them on that journey, not because of class, but just because feeling like there's others that are in the same spot as yours. What are your thoughts on like how we can approach that? That's a really good idea. And I think that it's interesting to think about it as far as like classes, because you have to think too, like, well, while I might be new into a project, maybe, maybe this is like the 40th or like you, maybe it's the 400th project that you've bought into. So you understand a lot of the ins and outs. You might not need a lot of that training, but I th there, there should be some sort of onboarding, I feel, for people as they join a project. Like this is how, this is how you, you earn uh, meth or this is how you earn, you know, any sort of tokens. Or if you have 25 of the, like, just like a, I don't know, a roadmap within the roadmap of, of for, for holders, you know, of like, this is what you'll, like how you can earn more. Like these are different, uh, ad, I was going to say admins, um, but you know, like the, why am I blanking on the the name of people that help moderators? Moderators, thank you. Different moderators for the, the the channel. This is how you can follow them on Twitter. This is how you can get in touch with them. Just some sort of like a here's everything that you need to know that everyone kind of goes through. And day one, like you have these six people that are going with you because you guys are all in on the project at the same time and grow from there. You know, because so interesting. So uh, for those that are listening, so this episode, the, the next episode upcoming, I, I recorded the episode yesterday uh, with the Flyfish Club, the team from Flyfish Club. And I, you, anyone can go back and listen to the actual episode on the day that launched. And I said on the podcast, I was like, if I was not buying an NFT every day and my liquidity wasn't, you know, guaranteed for this project, I would have bought one of them because it was in New York, not far enough, you know, far too far for me. Um, I love the idea of the exclusive um, you know, community and the, the uh, you know, eating there. And Travi happens to be a holder, right? So now I have like an in Gary V's a backer. But anyone that goes and listens to that episode, at the end, I asked a very selfish question. I said, all right, David, um, I buy on the secondary market today. What's my experience like? What do I do? What do I get? How do? And the funny thing is I asked that for this exact reason, right? Because I even have a friend in there. I've been paying attention. I know the roadmap, the mechanics. But I was a little bit nervous of like, do I get the same menu when I arrive at this exclusive restaurant, even though I'm buying it on secondary, right? Like it, it was like yes. almost that piece. Cause I, I do feel like that is like, I, I will tell you after this most recent experience, the last two weeks, I'm going to like almost pause my helping others into some projects and like rethink it myself because like, I am really like, there are a couple of projects that I I would recommend to just about like a group of like 80% of people that would ask me, I'm like, okay, these are three projects you can get into. But my problem is I don't know if there's that, like that welcoming class or that group. Right. And it's funny because I think if you asked our circle now, Katie of people, like when their aha moment was ours was also 
during a moment where the energy and like this, I mean, it was all my, I mean, it's like unlike anything I've ever experienced online. Like that web three, November, December, January, February of last year, holy hell. Right. And mm -hmm. so not only do people have to enter during a market where, I mean, our, our listenership is down. The Twitter use cases are down because I mean, it's hard, right? We have a global recession. There's so many things going on. I'm curious, like, I guess like, I'm just trying to like, I mean, kind of talk out like solving that problem, but also doing it from like, what if we weren't waiting on founders of projects to create this? What are some of the things we can think about even as like ambassadors and leaders in the space to kind of make that, you know, kind of welcoming a little bit, you know, more streamlined, not the tech, the tech is going to be complicated, but what are your <laughs> thoughts on kind of some of those other things? Well, I think that what the problem is right now, Fanzo, is that not only are founders and projects having to sell their project, they're having to sell Web3 again, all over again because of the market. Yep. So not and, only- And Sam Bankman freed damn it, him. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, that was not good for the Web3 world. But I, I think that that's one of the problems that we have is not, you have to sell so much harder now where before back, you know, yep. November fe through February- it was just having to worry about these are, this is the utility. This is what you get by being in, in our project. Now it's, we're trying to bring people back into accepting this sort of technology community and, and membership. So I think that that's one of the biggest problems, but as, as we continue growing our projects and bringing people in there, there definitely needs to be some sort of, I, more structured onboarding for, for users as they, you know, I don't know, like a, like a buddy system or something, but I mean, like everybody has that one person that they like, okay, so this is my go-to for this project. If I have questions and they're ready to answer any questions I have, cause no question's a dumb answer or a dumb question. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I have, there's some people in my network that they don't realize it. Um, and I probably will give them a shout out in the future that have become like my buddy and certain projects mm -hmm. where eventually I was like, just DM me. Like, you want me to be a part of that? You want me in that Twitter space? You want me in that thing? Like, and it's not because like, I'm too busy, right? Like, that's like a, I, I don't even want to use that as an excuse, but I got to a point where like, like I know that I spread myself thin, but I also recognize that like I, when I'm in these projects, I, I go deep and I'm in the weeds and like, that's not always like the best for every project. So I'm curious, like if you look at your right now, like for you know, our listenership, I know one of the things like I might be a little bit of the exception because of this whole buying an NFT every day, but I'm curious for you, like, I mean, you have all the things going on in your day-to-day -day life. And like, how are you looking at like time spent in your discord, time spent on Twitter spaces, time spent like, so that you still feel like the money was worth it, but mm -hmm. you're also not letting it become like, a, a full-time job. How are you managing that personally? Because I think for a lot of our audience, that's a struggle that many of them are going through as well. Well, and I, I feel like I'm in a different, an entirely different ballgame than than you are because what I've done is is I've sold a lot of projects and I've bought more of projects. I'm like, okay, so I like this community. I'm just going to double down and I've eliminated a lot of distractions. So that's helped me a lot. But as far as Discord and Twitter, for me, I I... I spend more time in these Twitter's uh, communities than than Discord now. I feel like it's it's a better flow for communications. I can see tweets easier. I know exactly who I want to follow, and I can they're sharing out information that they think is relevant for me. So for me, Twitter has been kind of a a, a godsend of streamlining 
what projects I'm heavily invested in. And, it, but there's still a lot that aren't really utilizing Twitter that way. And then, so that's where I do have just a handful of projects that I check their discord every day and I, I spend time in there. And I feel like having to divide my time though, between discord and Twitter, instead of like before I was 100% discord, it's made me less active in, in both. I don't know if you've oh, kind of gone hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, and and weirdly, I don't think like they're, they're definitely not the same thing, right? It's like it weirdly, they're not Discord and Twitter don't provide the same experience, the same like depth of, of conversations. Yeah. But I do feel like they like they take up the same chunk of like our energy, like the way that we. And so like, I, but I am curious on your side. You mentioned like you like shrunk some, you sold some projects, and then like, kind of like so you you have a bigger bag in a fewer amount of projects. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, and this is just like you know one of my like my soapboxes that I I probably haven't doubled down enough on yet, but is like the time commitment of certain projects is not very well spelled out. Like if you're going to want to get the value, there's a, actually that same project I mentioned before, like they're the people that are active and loving that project are spending an hour a day, every day Mm -hmm. active in that project. Now there was no disclaimer. It's like for you to maximize this, you need to spend an hour, but I just don't have an hour to dedicate to one NFT project. When you were choosing which ones did the um, time commitment come into it? Or was it like, I like this utility or it was like my people are there. How did you choose kind of like what you were shrinking your focus towards? I'm curious, like how you kind of looked at that from your view. Well, and I guess this is where I'm going to throw it back to you because I, I've always had a hard time with, with Discord. I've always had a hard time with it. And so I kind of started going towards, okay, they're really active on Twitter. I'm comfortable wow. there. I can see what I want to see there. I know I get, with the time commitments that's there, like the community's there. So for me, it was more of how much am I going to have to be on Discord in this, in this project? So for you, because I mean, you, you're really active on, on both. So I'm kind of curious for you, what do you foresee with the way that Elon has taken over Twitter? Um, I kind of see Twitter maybe in 2023 becoming a digital wallet. Um, so being even more web three focused than it is now, but what do you think is going to happen with discord? Do you think that it will still be a necessity for NFTs in the upcoming year? I think a year from now, we will not, we will not, we will not look at discord as a necessity. I think it's going to take about a year for us to get to that, that point. Right. Like, um, and one of my favorite projects that I'm in is CPG club and CPG club has gone all in on telegram, but I will tell you, I missed the telegram half of the announcement today. They, they do a Thursday announcement and it was because <laughs> I didn't have telegram open on my computer and I purposely didn't have it because I was trying to focus on this AI thing that I was working on and I shut down all of the things. And then all of a sudden, like Gregarious sends me a message and he's like, <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, you're, you're what? Oh my, I, and I, I missed it. And it was, it was a little mind numbing for me because I was like, I thought it was my calendar, which it wasn't. But to your point, like that's really my only one that is like hyperly active using a non-Discord, non-Twitter alternative. I love the way they're using Telegram, but I will tell you, I've onboarded five or six people into that community. And like learning Telegram is also a, a very like a, a complex, you know, you know, where I turn notifications on, where do I chat versus where is that, you know, read only and what, like, so that's a little bit clunky as well. Um, but you did bring up something that I think is exciting is that I weirdly do think like, Elon firing everybody and his like 
his hostile takeover, <laughs> it, it did bother me a bit, right? Like I was like, no, like don't break my favorite platform. Like, damn you, Elon. Now I say that because part of me was like, Twitter needed a refresh. And like, I've loved what Twitter has become over the last couple of years, but Twitter, like Twitter data was my client for six years. I loved, love Twitter, Twitter favorite platform without question, but the nuances of Twitter just have not made much sense, right? Like we, there's no way for us to like have someone like look at our bookmarks or check our most recent content. Our, our tweets still disappear. Like if someone doesn't see it in the first 45 seconds that you tweet it, like good luck if they're actually going to see it. I actually think he's going to add some tabs to our profiles, right? Where our videos are going to be able to be there where someone could just say, you know, go to you know, Katie's page, click on the video one and look at all the videos that you, he's, he's even mentioned that he wants to allow 30 and 60 minute videos to exist on the platform. You mentioned the digital wallet component. I think that's going to be natively integrated. We've already seen some of those little changes. I think Twitter spaces is going to have a little bit more of a streamline within our podcast, right? Like right now, like I want to record this on video, you and I recording this on video. For me to do this to the podcast to a Twitter space, I have the tech literally sitting right here to make it happen. But it is such a like a pain in my ass to like see the feed, watch the notifications, people raising their hand, making sure your audio and my audio are going through. I think I think he's gonna try to tackle that part. So I do wonder if Twitter ends up becoming like it, it has enough Discord functionality and kind of like Twitter silo chat. We already have that with the community function. That, that that could be like the place where we sit. We also have to remember Elon has forced some people completely out of Twitter. <laughs> and there are people in both of our networks, especially, that will never come back to Twitter ever. Mm -hmm. Like just they just despise the fire hose of information. So it is interesting. Like I, I will say Steve Ioki, his project uses text messaging and it is amazing. I have not, I removed myself from Steve Ioki's Discord four months ago yet have not missed a claim or an announcement or an event that he's had because SMS based messaging. Well, it, it, that's exactly it. He's incorporating web two strategies in his web three world. And I think that for a lot of these projects there, ha you know, you just said sign at the beginning of the show, sign up for our new e email newsletter. Yep. And there, there's still a, a reason why you need to incorporate web two strategies for your web three users, because not, I mean, like, like I said, I let, I tried to find projects that aren't super heavy in discord because it just was too much for me. So I went over to my web two world that I'm familiar with in Twitter. And that's where I get my, my content, my community, my utility. So, I mean, you have as a, as a founder, having a newsletter, having a SMS or, or having a Twitter community. I mean, you can use, use Instagram and Facebook, um, as well. I mean, they're incorporating yeah. more digital uh, assets on, on their platforms as well. So, I mean, find that spot where you can get in touch with your users if they're having a hard time with Web3 tech, because it it makes it not quite as a uh, barrier. Like there is, it's not as hard to barrier to entry to for a lot of these people while they're having to learn how to create this digital wallet while they're trying to learn how like telegram and, Oh, I missed this in telegram and out net or on discord. And I want it. I think that this is just smart business to try and bridge that gap. Yeah. If I would have done anything over again a year ago, like right now I went to our team and said, Hey, we need to launch an email newsletter and let's make that a focus. Now let's face it. I've added 3000 things to my team. Um, and 
the one that fell off was the focus on the email newsletter. And I was like, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. And the, I mean, our, our download numbers were just going through the roof. We hit that million downloads and, and we were taking off and I, I didn't have another place. And so we lost some people that said they just don't want to listen to the podcast anymore. I would argue if I went back to them, I would say almost all of them probably would have signed up for the email newsletter and still stayed like following along via email, even though they stopped listening to the podcast. And I mean, I think we have to think about that uh, the same with NFT projects, right? And how they, how they kind of wrap their head around, like, even if someone's not being fully active, how do you keep them in the know? Right. And then how, if, if you have people in the know, how do you make sure that when they do go somewhere? Cause that's another thing that I've found. If I have to go into a discord that I haven't been in in a while. Oh my God. That's a, it is, a, it is, it is like, I like, I see all the red things and I'm like, Oh no. I'm like, and I go and click. I'm like, please say I didn't keep no. I'm like, no, I didn't keep the, these are all mentioned. And I was like, I, I don't, I, I usually click off it. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even want to like explore that. Right. Because, and I think that's another one of these, these problems uh, I think that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that too, going back to, to Elon and Twitter, it, I think that with what Twitter has become, I was the first one to raise my hand uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago saying Twitter was dead. Twitter's stupid. It's full of angry people and breaking news. So I mean like, eh, who cares? But their embracing of Web3 and the, the social tokens and, you know, really, let's be honest, copying Clubhouse with Twitter spaces and really going all in on their Twitter spaces, I think that saved Twitter. And I think that, honestly, that's probably why Elon was more incentivized to to buy it because they were making changes and he saw, I, I think that there's a whole new world of people that are joining Twitter having conversations and using the platform than ever before, even with uh, mass people leaving and, and swearing to never come back. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was on a call yesterday. It was a influencer content creator call uh, with a influencer brand that I, that I work closely with named Analytica. And there was a bunch of us creator influencers, most of us B2B influencers uh, for, for the last many years, we do this, uh, you know, call call twice a year and they surveyed and said, how many, what's your, what are all of your take on Twitter? And I'll tell you, it went down the line and every one of them are like, I'm no longer using Twitter, not interested in Twitter. I'm only on Twitter 20% of what I used to be on. And like, these are different verticals. And then it got to me <laughs> and I was like, Web3, NFTs, Twitter is where it's at right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at it from that side and I think it's a great reminder because I think you're right. Like I do look at, at like Twitter being like that, like it's kind of like come into its own for like the Web3 world. But I do think we have to just own that a lot of the people we're going to have to onboard. Yes, we probably can get them in it. Like I think getting people into the Twitter and, and like what they have to find on Twitter is like 9,000 times easier than getting someone to figure out Discord. I mean, holy mm-hmm. hell. I mean, Discord as a whole <laughs> makes me just like, it, it, it's like flashbacks of old, you know, you brought up AOL groups, right? It's a lot of like, like I remember at first AOL, AOL groups and Yahoo chat rooms were awesome. Then you join like 300 Yahoo chat rooms and you're like, oh shit, like I got no idea, like notification hell. And like, and you didn't even have notifications on our phone back then, right? It was just like, you opened it up and you're like, you're like, ah, I don't even know how, like Reddit, Reddit is that to me still to this day. Like, I don't know how to, like, I've had five Reddit accounts and every time I've, I joined too many Reddit sub threads and then it just overwhelms me and I quit. Like, it's just my own, like my own experience, but, um, this will be interesting. It'll be interesting to revisit this episode like six months, nine months, 12 months from now. And I, and I think for all of our listeners, like as we kind of wrap up this episode, bring it together, 
like part of what we, you know, Katie, like I love that I was able to onboard you into this space. Right. And part of it was like, you know, I was talking about it and, and like the funny thing is like, I wasn't pulling your arm. Right. But the, I was talking about it. And then I also demonstrated like I'm going all in on it. Right. And, and like, that's a different level for like a lot of people. Right. And I think for anyone that's like, gets frustrated when you post it to your IG stories, like I posted something about uh, AI art to Facebook yesterday. Holy hell, was that a mistake? Oh my God. I got like, I forgot I have half of my Facebook people that think AI is going to take over the world and, and do all these bad things and spaceships are going to take them out of their house. And I was like, Oh man, I regret posting that. But I say that because like some people post NFTs and you get, like, oh, crypto bros. And oh, like, so we have to like kind of recognize that it's going to take a lot. You're going to have to continue posting, continuing doubling down so that you can, people can see that, hey, I'm not giving up on this. And it's more than maybe what the, the media portrays. But, um, you know, Katie, I'm glad that, hey, that you welcomed in, that you went all in, that you've stayed in, you, you've, you've added your expertise. You've been, uh, you know, a part of many of the communities that I'm also a part of. And then also you're joining here, you know, to share kind of that view. And I think for our audience too, right, that's part of the reason I wanted to bring in co-hosts with different experience, different use cases, different views, even on, on some of the NFTs um, that we care about, because let's face it, all of our audiences is, is very unique. So uh, anything you want to throw in, uh, Kitty, before we uh, we send them on their way? No, I think that one of the, the final final thought for me is be be patient and be open, be open-minded for people to ask you questions. and. You, it's not, don't get not, not financial advice, but I mean, the more people can be inquisitive with NFTs, Web3, and if they have somebody that they can just bounce their questions off of, it makes that barrier to entry that much easier to bring more people into this space because the more and more brands, more and more businesses are implementing NFTs. So everyone's going to need to learn about it sooner than later. Uh, so just be that open source for people as they decide that they want to to ask you questions because it's it is a lot to take on but um it's a great it's a, you know nfts are a great place to find your community of of people that you probably would have never met otherwise well said and, and i'll say we sandwiched this episode on purpose so if you didn't listen to the episode before us go back and listen to it it's with anna skates she has a really powerful message she saw a problem in her community and which is a actually a problem that we all don't even recognize exists around children and accessibility in the, in the bathroom, especially public bathrooms where we want kids to be independent. We want kids to be able to, you know, kind of grow up and feel like we care about them yet. We don't even give them a vehicle to wash their hands. We all, we've all, everyone that's had a kid has held them up on our, on our knee. And, and, and so she's solving that with an NFT, which I think is a beautiful use case. And then the episode that you're going to listen to next is with the fly fish club. And they're using the NFT really just as a, I mean, exclusive clubs have been in existence for forever. They're using the NFT to make the buying, trading, and selling of that entry easier. But the rest of the mechanics are very much the same, and they're going to talk about that. And so I say that because my, the last advice I'll just share for everyone here is if you can get a kind of a, a bucket of use cases, whoever you're talking to, give them the use case that they might give them the best chance of seeing the aha, right? Like it's, it, to me, like that's the magic sauce. Like I, I'm, I don't know everything, but I do have a pretty damn good well of use cases that you could give me pretty much anyone and their naysayer. And I, I want to ask them, what do they care about? What are the things they're, they do online? What are the things that they prioritize? And I can probably find a use case close enough for them to at least see a, a pathway. in. so uh, Katie, so much fun. We will, of course, 
uh, in the show notes, I have a bunch of links. Make sure you're, of course, giving Katie a follow. Hopefully you're following the podcast uh, on the social channels uh, as well. And I, and I have to say also, you know, thanks everybody for kind of coming on this journey, uh, including this whole AI art journey that we're on now, because, you know, we, we didn't feel like we could give up on the whole 365 ride, but uh, that's for another time. So uh, as always, my friends, until next time, make it a great day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always... 